Hey guys, it's Tyler with Better Climbing Beta. As always, we wanted to take a second and shout out our sponsors before we kicked off this episode. We've got Taft's Ale House right here in Cincinnati, fantastic craft brewery. Um, they make a lot of great beers. My personal favorite right now is their uh, Juicy Justice IPA, uh, but they also just put out their flagship Gavel Banger in 12 packs. So if you're looking at picking up some great beer, you can either hit up their two locations, uh, the Ale House in, in the downtown area or up a little bit north side, you've got their Brewporium, or you can go pick up any of their great beers um, at your local distributor. We also have Vanderwall Climbing. They do uh, resoles based out of San Mateo, California. So if you got a hole popping up in one of your favorite pairs of shoes and don't want to throw them away, send them over to Vanderwall and they'll do a fantastic job of resoling them, make them like new. In this episode, we sit down with Chris Hampton of Power Company Climbing. They provide training plans of all levels. Um, so we, we just wanted to talk about when you are and when you aren't maybe ready for training and uh, what a training program might look like. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is Michael Hargis with Better Climbing Beta. Today, I'm going to be your host. Tyler's been deranked again. I suck. No, wait. No, I thought of? We don't have to have a co-host. We could just both be hosts. We're both hosts now. Is that like two communists? Is that Then are you both co-hosts? Well, no, I don't like that either. <laughs> we Every episode, we, we are, get into like who's hosting, who's co-hosting, who's the unpaid intern. Yeah. It always shifts depending on mm. what, what garbage. No, what? So I was going to introduce our special guest, but why don't he can be the host? He can be. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <host>. So, <laughs> all right. He's got uh, more. He's got more experience. We're going to introduce our new host, uh, Chris. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Chris. I'm now the host of Better Climbing Beta, and uh, I'm just going to take it over from these guys. So you can say goodbye to them now. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy <laughs> this episode. We'll again. we'll be back to close it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So uh, yeah. On this on this episode, we. We get to talk with Mr. Chris Hampton of Power Company Climbing. You know, very lucky, very fortunate to let him sit down with a bunch of gumbies like us. But that's true. You are um, you are lucky and fortunate. No. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm currently looking up at him, <laughs> like quite literally. We He's up in an ivory tower. Literally. Yeah, um, it is an ivory tower. We don't want to put him too much on pedestal, but um, yeah, this episode we're going to talk about training, and we get a lot of questions from from our fans or people who just stumble upon us who don't want to identify as fans, which we understand. Um, they want us to talk about training. And for the most part, I think people think just because you have a podcast, you're educated enough to talk about training. And to be honest with you guys, that's, that's what I do. We're really not educated. <laughs> <laughs> we have no clue. So um, on this episode, we just kind of want to pick your brain, Chris, and um, learn a little bit more about power company climbing and um, how it all got started. So, Okay. What came first, the podcast or training people? Um, well, first, let me say I apologize if I'm a little stuffy and sniffly. Um, but first came the training people, and it was 
me at first. I was mostly just interested in seeing how good I could get at climbing. So I really dug into it. And then people, I needed partners. I needed people to belay me for like 45 minutes while I did endurance <laughs> laps. So, so I recruited people and made it seem really fun. Yeah. And people just started latching on because it got results. And that forced me to start looking more into how to help other people instead of just helping myself. And so that's that's where it all started. And the podcast came later and was definitely like a, I'm having these really cool conversations already. I know how to record things. Why don't I put those two things together and see what happens? And if you listen back to like the first 10 episodes or something, I think every one of them, I'm like, I'm not sure if this thing will continue or not, <laughs> you know. You may never hear me again, but now it's 147 episodes in or wow. something. So Now, did you... Uh did you, you used to, like, you, you got started in Cincinnati, at least with the training yep. stuff, and you, did you I kind of remember using, like, you had a lot of those, the crew at, like, Rock Quest, because yeah. that's where you, your, like, base of operations, as it were, was, yeah, correct? Yeah, we were calling ourselves Team Short Bus at that time. Team Short Bus. Yeah, that was pre-Power <laughs> Company. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. There was a, there was a little beanie with a propeller on it that you had to wear if you did the dumbest thing the night before. Oh, sweet. So during your whole next session, you had to wear the you propeller beanie. You had to wear the, the propeller beanie? Yeah. So how many people were part of your like original OG training crew? It jumped around, but I would guess there were around 8 to 12 of us at any oh, given wow. time. Nice. Um, and we would just kind of take over the lead wall at the gym. Because uh, we'd all be <laughs> yes. doing endurance laps at So you're the reason pissed. why there's a no top roping during yes. peak hours. Because <laughs> people am, just doing up-down ups. I'm likely the reason for that sign, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, when did it, when did the switch happen? When did it become Power Company Climbing? When were you like, this sounds cool? It does so, sound cool. It's a cool name. So. It did Better turn than out to bus. be a cool name. I got lucky with the name and the logo. And really it was just a blog to begin oh, nice. with. Okay. You know, I was just like documenting my own experimentation. And then I got a shoulder injury at work and was being paid by workers comp to sit on the couch for six months. So I was like, I should try to find a way to monetize this thing. We were planning on moving to Wyoming. I knew that I didn't want to paint murals in Wyoming because I'd have to travel all over to do it. And it just didn't sound that much fun to me anymore. So mm -hmm. Let's try and monetize this thing, and I can cobble together a living. And pretty immediately when I said, okay, this is a business, and I'm selling training, I got inundated. So I, nice. my first day back to my job after workers' comp, I put in my two weeks. And, wow. And just focused on this thing. Well, that's amazing, honestly. I mean, that's kind of the dream, right? I mean, yeah. it sounds like you took something where you were probably really good at painting mur murals and you made a, a career out of it, but then you found something later that you enjoyed and loved, and now you're you're having a good time and you're making a little bit of money on, on the it's side. Pretty damn cool, really. And yeah. how long ago? So, how long ago did you say, okay, no, this is <clears throat> this is the the thing now. I'm not gonna do it as a hobby or whatever. I'm, this is what I'm pursuing. I'm horrible with dates. Um, it's been but, in the last five years. Yeah, it's probably been four years. Okay. That would be my wow. guess that I've been doing it full time. And it's. What's crazy to me... And the blog is like 10 years old. Okay. 10 okay. 10 years. But but when you made the conscious effort to just be like, screw it, let's just see what we can do. I mean, it was pretty immediately and still is. Like, that. what was surprising to me is like when you're like power company climbing, 
it took over RockQuest. Like, yeah. everybody was like, oh, I want to be into this. I'm going to buy the t-shirt. I'm going to do this. I want to do that. And the training was just, there was a brief period where like 90% of the people in there were like, oh, well, Chris says I got to do this. I gotta do. They had like little sheets of paper of, yeah. you know, everything they're doing. Totally, man. It, You know, when I was first building the thing, Sarah Rotenberger from RockQuest was helping me a little bit. And, and she did some of the training with you. Like, yep. Yep. For other people, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to her when we were first trying to structure the app to work for us, I remember saying, I can't imagine there will ever be a time when I need more than 15 slots in this app. And now we're we're at 200. And, Holy shit. 200 and we, like. And we need a lot more. Indi- like individual. Yeah. There are 200 individual people in the Sheesh. app right now. So. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it just exploded. I so, thought it was going to be a 10-hour-a-week job, and yeah. now it's a 70-hour-a-week job. So when you started, was were you, again, I'm not well-versed in this, but was there many people training climbers at that time? Like, were you kind of, did you get in <clears throat> while the, the getting was good? I got really lucky with the timing. Um, there weren't, there was nobody. I mean, you had, that, like, the How to Climb 512 book. Well, like, that came that came while I was on oh, really? Workers' Comp. Oh, really? That's that new? Yeah. Jeez. So that and is that the one where the guys climbing like a five eleven <laughs> on the picture or whatever? That's the oh you mean like Eric, isn't that Eric Eric's? Hurst? I yeah. thought you were talking about our climb five twelve. No 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 like the yeah Eric's the, book had been out for a long time and, and that Eric, was like the only book that you would read on yep. how to train. One of the few yeah Eric was Eric wasn't really training people. He was writing all this training advice and putting all of this stuff out there and was really the the first big. Um, source for sure. climbing training information there were a few other books eric was the most consistent by far i know arno ilgner does a lot arno does the mental training stuff and and is great at it there was performance rock climbing by udo newman and dale goddard um, and there's like nine out of ten climbers that make the same mistakes dave was, mcleod's nine out of ten climbers is one of my favorite books of all time it's the, the, An- the anderson brothers anderson yeah. brothers came right around the same time as yeah. power company was starting nice. with their rock prodigy okay yeah so there wasn't a there were there were sources of information and but there was nobody that i knew of who was out there coaching adult climbers was that kind of your inspir? I mean, did you, you mentioned like you just started doing this, sharing your thoughts and people seem to be into it. Was there a conscious effort to be like, there's a lot of adult climbers who are new, like new to the sport, not they grew up climbing, they've always been climbing, but I want to train them and because no one else is, or was it just kind of serendipitous that right around the time people seemed to like your information, so you kept doing it? A little bit of both. Um, I definitely wanted to mostly work with, or I thought my value was going to be in working with people who had real jobs, real lives, families, still wanted to go out and push hard rock climbing. So more like the weekend warrior. Yep. Or, you know. I thought that's where the value was really going to lie. I didn't foresee this whole like van life thing happening and all these people becoming full-time climbers. Sure. Okay. Which has, I mean, those people pay me a lot of money. <laughs> so, God bless those vans. Well, they yeah. live in vans, so like they're not. Yeah. They got money to spend <laughs> on on training. Funds. Yeah. Well, that's that's the struggle, right? Is um, you just have somebody who has the money to spend, right? And yeah. It's a lot easier to make that that decision when you don't have a, another mouth to feed necessarily. Right. So, so I have a question about. I have a speculation. My friend and I. Okay. We've. 
we've looked at some of the the names that you use for you know power company climbing you had the engine room you have the machine shop yep can you tell me where those names came from they absolutely just came from i thought power company was kind of a fun ironic cheeky name there you go we build machines yes yeah. and i just yelled that out in the gym one day like somebody was, somebody was on the take one of the people that was climbing with me i don't remember who was on the roof and the whole gym had stopped to watch like they do when you're on the roof whether it's 510 or whatever it doesn't matter yeah doesn't matter. You're on a giant roof. roof and and it was his first time sending the roof and just i just yelled we build machines and then it just stuck that became like a hashtag like people it's crazy God, how many like, posts are on that hashtag hashtag who knows? i don't i don't have a clue like almost it it almost became annoying someone would do like <laughs> they do something mundane and be yeah. like yeah fuck yeah we build machines and we it's like dude okay yeah. <laughs> i just got an email yesterday when are the we build machine shirts coming are they coming back? They've, they they never existed. They've been coming for like four years. <laughs> they, <laughs> just, you're getting tariffed from China. <laughs> you can't bring them in, can't in, import yeah. them. So I remember, yeah. um, and again, Tyler and I, we kind of have a, a interesting perspective because obviously we've never been a part of the power company mm -hmm. uh, program, but we've kind of seen it firsthand. We blocked as you guys out. That's Thank God, right? <laughs> um, I don't want to associate with you guys. <laughs> We don't, we don't have the trust funds yet. We're, we're still building up to it. Yeah, I man. only climb because I don't have to pay to climb. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. But my question is, um, how much of this started by people just asking, like, unsolicited advice? When, when, a lot. Um, a lot of people latched on because they saw it working. Sure. You know, and then when I started the blog, I'd get lots of messages. And I made the mistake of, at the time it seemed like a mistake, um, of mentioning that I had written training plans for some of my friends in a blog. Oh, wow. And then I got a bunch of messages. Can you write hey, a training Chris, plan friends. for me? A training plan for me. <laughs> yeah, we're friends. We climb. I, I climb at Rock Quest when you? you do. Yeah. That one time I asked how you did that one move, so. And I'm sure I told you something totally wrong. Yeah. Um, and a, that winter, that winter I wrote 40 training plans for people all over the world, and then I I, the only way I could explain the training plans to them was to have this two-hour phone conversation. Wow. So I was on the phone for 80 fucking hours. I don't know if I can say fucking here, but I'm going to say it. Um, I was on the phone for 80 fucking hours over the winter, and I realized, this sucks. I just spent all this time in the front end with these people, and I'll never talk to them again. You know. Definitely. <clears throat> so I just thought, there's got to be a better way to deliver this stuff, and, and luckily I totally blew up my shoulder and <laughs> had all this time to sit and figure it out. Nice. So, so that's good because I'd like to kind of go into what is power companies training. So again, I like to think we have people of all levels listening to our podcast. And, um, I personally have never really done any type of training. Um, I'm sure Tyler hasn't really done any type of training, but so if somebody who's never trained before, what can they, um, anticipate from power company like do I have to climb a certain grade do I need to have a one-on-one -on -one, two-hour phone call with somebody do I need to fill out a questionnaire what's that look like for a new customer yeah I mean no you don't have to climb a certain grade um, I don't believe training has to start at a certain level of difficulty um, there is a questionnaire there's a lot of back and forth of what are your goals 
what's your experience, what's your athletic history, what's your medical history. You know, we want to know as much about you as we can. What's your social? What's your yeah, security exactly. number? How many your, followers? Your do mother's you maiden name. <laughs> <laughs> and the more we can get, the better. You know, the clearer that picture is. So then we can come up with a plan to help you get from where you are to what your goals are. Um, we believe as a collective, because I have five, there are five of us total coaches, and then I have a couple of uh, women that help me doing admin and project management stuff. Um, but the, the total collective of us pretty much believes that you start where you are. And one of the big mistakes people make with training is they want to start where Sean McCall is or whatever they see on Instagram. Yeah, they see know? the video mm -hmm. of what Adam or Adam Andre does to do and think I can right. scale to that. And Exactly. So, so, yeah, just finding out about you and what your goals are and then trying to piece that journey together through science, anecdotal evidence, our experience, and, you know, what motivates you. So you, you tailor, there's not like a, a, a copy paste Mad Libs template of, there are some of those, Okay, but you try really hard to tailor to And those the are kind of the low cost entry oh, into so. the system. And then we've got you and you can't get out. Um, no, <laughs> it's like, it <laughs> but yeah, most, our, our premium, parasite. our premium custom plans are 100% tailored. There's no template that we pull up. I've tried it. I I would love to be able to have a template. And just like that here, works. it saves your time. It saves you time. You just say here you go. But I just end up scrapping the entire template anyway. Is there is there advantage? You know, as Michael said, we have a lot of like beginners. We have a lot of people that have been climbing for like 20 years, but have taken it for granted that it's a fairly well established sport at this point. Mm -hmm. And there's there is actual evidence and data that we have numbers um is there an advantage to starting with just a basic template over a more personalized or is it like i mean obviously the money associated so factoring the costs out is it worth saying you know screw the basic stuff let's find out exactly what you need to do or, or is that overkill because i know a lot of people they think well i'm different than this so i need oh, yeah it. everybody thinks that right yeah, I do think there's a lot of value in the the template stuff that we do. Um, the templates are, and these are our eBooks and our proven plans, are built on the most common things I've seen from different levels of climber. So if I've I've coached, I don't know, many hundred people who climb five eleven looking to get to five twelve. Same with five twelve looking to get to five thirteen. And there's there are really common things that they need. Sure. So these templates are built on those really common things. And if you don't have a, a deep training history um, with climbing specifically, then you've got a lot of gains to make most of the time. And, sure. And these templates can... And it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know, so at least get started. Yep. And then you have a better idea of what you want specifically. Yep, totally. So they can do a lot for the, the average person, and I know that none of you think you're average. No, we're all. <laughs> most of us are. You know, that's why it's an average. I'm shooting for average. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> do you have a common... I mean, we, we've we had podcasts where I'm like, I talk about how much I dis 
like the grade chase mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does seem to be a common denominator when sure. people get into training. They're looking at a number. I want to climb this level. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like by and large the most common goal? Yeah, like is there a grade? Is there a more common goal other than grades, or is there like everyone wants to? Like I always say, like I hear more people. How do I climb five twelve? That seems to be like the number that people. It's all because that damn book. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> for some reason, people think that's what elite climbing is. Is I'm climbing yeah. five twelve. Yeah. So, is there a common number in your many hundreds of people? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think there is a a really common number that people are looking for. Um really just depends on where they are. And what we try to do when when people come in and say, here's my goal, it's attached to this number, because grades are, oh man, it's such a What did, What did you say on that Facebook ass. thread? Like, I've never <laughs> met anyone who actually knows. Yeah, I can't tell the difference. I don't know anyone who can tell whether it's soft or hard or whatever. Is they it can 11D, only, is it 12A? Who get, you know, they who, can base it on themselves and the experience they just had on it, but that's really it. That doesn't, it doesn't mean that much. So what we try to do is is base, try to help people shape their goals more toward effort and challenge and less about the grades. The grades just happen to be a way to correlate that challenge with something more tangible. Um, okay. So that's what we try to do. You try to break the grade chase mentality. That's, that's fucking hard to do. But, oh, yeah. Right. Because it's trying. just so easy. Back, well, I was climbing 11A, and now I'm climbing 11B. Even though that means absolute nothing, it's still a, we like tangible data, not this ethereal. Well, I worked really hard, so I can feel accomplished. It's like, well, I didn't climb 11C, now I am. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was just talking with Steve Bechtel and a bunch of other coaches at our seminar, and a lot of us get the same message right now. I want to climb free rider. <laughs> Everybody's seen Damn it, solo. Alex. <laughs> they want to climb free rider. And they might only climb 5.11 right now. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe someday you could. Let's look at what this journey looks like. And let's be realistic about that time. Have you ever oh, okay. Have you ever climbed on granite? No. Have you ever climbed cracks? No. Have you ever climbed on polished Yosemite granite? No. Okay. Well, have you ever climbed more than sixty feet? <laughs> right. So, so those are the first things. Let's let's build up enough stamina and capacity to climb this many feet in a day. Let's go to Yosemite. Let's spend some time on granite. Let's spend some time on these slippery, long pitches, and then let's reevaluate because I know that's your goal right now. But that goal might change when you go out there and realize that it's way fucking harder than you thought. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Alex makes it look easy because guess what? He's yeah. an elite athlete. Yeah, exactly. And it's his whole. I, I think it. Do you do you get into the the uh, the diet and the the outside of climbing stuff as well? Because I feel like that's a to misunderstood some to some degree. We don't do a lot with diet. I prefer to just refer people out when it's diet. You know, I'll give some basic. But you will you will send them to other. I'll send them to a. It is information. I guess is what I should I say. Yeah. It is something that you say matters. Yep, in what sure. you're doing. For okay. sure. Absolutely. So And how, the same with mental training. You know, if somebody if somebody's having a really hard time, I'll send them to a sports psychologist I know or Oh, re- you get you know. it, it <clears throat> sports psychology, I mean that you you find that cuz I, I we've had the episode where I when I teach the lead classes, I actually spend more time on teaching how to manage fear over mm-hmm. like 
anyone can clip a bolt who really cares about that. But if you're not good at managing, like I'm getting a little nervous, then there's nothing you're going to do. Um, it, does it go, I mean, deep enough to where you would send a, you said sports psychologist? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people have big anxieties built around their performance or, wow. you know, for instance, I'll, I'll just give you this anecdote. We, we do an assessment with everybody that's coming into our custom plans to get a sure. more subjective or a more objective idea of where they're at, um, strength wise, endurance wise. And when we were calling them tests, people got really freaked out. Like they would have no, they would have no concept of what was good and what was bad, but everybody would say, oh, I did so bad on this. You know, I suck so bad at this. And you're like, just, how do you know? You have nothing to compare it to. And there's no, like, you're mm-hmm. just getting information on how to, so how you yeah. can train them. And they're yeah. like, I'm a, <laughs> I told you bad info. <laughs> so we switched it to the word measurement and I haven't heard anybody say like, or wow. I've heard a few people, not many. So people just get really into their own strengths, weaknesses. They, some people feel really, they get really down on themselves and have a hard time with performing well so you know that's stuff that I can help with a little bit on a a minor level but but if it's a big deal if it's really deeply rooted then I've got people I can send them to geez so how often do you have to kind of talk somebody off the ledge when it comes to their goals every day really they come (laughs) in they're like I've never done this and I want to do that um Actually, with goals, it's it's not that often. I'm talking somebody off some sort of ledge almost every day. Um, what what's that ledge look like? Is it I don't think this is working. I'm not strong enough to do my goal. Yeah, what it can be a myriad of things. It can be exactly what you just said. I don't think this is working. I hear that all the time. Two weeks into a training plan, I'm not getting any stronger. <laughs> well, hey, I just yeah, ordered no this shit. yesterday, and I'm not climbing five twelve yet. So right. You you're know, wrong. And, it's not me. It's you. And climbing is nuanced, man. It's like if you're one that we hear really often, a ledge I have to talk people off of is they'll train for eight weeks out of a 12 week plan. And then the weather starts getting better and they'll go outside and they don't perform their best that first day outside for the season, you know, and they're like, I've gotten weaker. This is worse. Mm-hmm. I can't climb anymore. This screwed up everything. And I'm like, how many first days of the season have been yeah. your best day of the season? Well, it hasn't the, happened. There's so. a reason why the number one ranked team plays the worst team in football their first week. Right. So they can beat them up, feel good about themselves. Yep. So really, it'd probably just come down to lowering your expectations. Yep. And you go out totally. that first day. And, you know, break the rust off a bit. Yeah, and and that's a good word, actually. I think expectations are the biggest reason I have to talk people off the ledge. In one form or another, they expect some specific thing to happen, and there are so many variables in climbing, conditions, what you ate the night before, how well you slept. You know, there are all these things that could screw up your results for that day. And a lot of times it comes down to just luck. You know, that there aren't five people in front of you in line working on your project. Exactly. Well, I think what climbing is kind of a unique sport in that, you know, in in a lot of things, the little tiny details that help or hurt you can be overcome by another little tiny detail. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in climbing, a tiny detail such as, yeah, like I just had ramen noodles for dinner the night before. You wake up feeling fine, but you're, you're really not. And 
that can completely derail an entire session. It can, especially when expectations are in right. place. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've, I've taken many first-time climbers outside, and they go in, they're like, oh, I'm climbing 10B in a climbing gym, which mm-hmm. anytime I hear you say you're climbing 10B in a gym, that doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, I don't know what that means. Right. But then they get out, and they get scared on a 5.8, and they're like, well, I must suck. I must be terrible. I must, this might be it. And it's like, this was your first trip outside. You yep. should have just said, I'm going to touch rock, and... Who cares? Yeah, it's a different sport. So, but so it's the expectations more than anything that. Yep, in some way or another, expectations tank a lot of people. Do beginner climbers or experienced climbers tend to have more unreasonable expectations? Experienced climbers, for sure. Really? Yeah, across the board. I they get way more into. They think they know what's going to happen. They think they're experts on all of the things. You know, they're watching the barometer, uh, trying to pinpoint exactly on the NOAA app where their project is, and they want to know the humidity. They listened to our Sendex episode, and they went, great, (laughs) I know everything. Yeah. And and in reality, it's it's funny, actually, when it comes to things like Sendex, is guys like, I was just talking to Jonathan Segrist about this last week, two weeks ago. He obsessively watches the weather, watches the humidity, watches the conditions, watches the wind. He obsessively watches it. But then if it's the day he's going to try his project, it just doesn't fucking matter what it says. He's going to go try it anyway. Right. And he's going to work hard and he's going to do what he's going to do. And that's where a lot of people miss it is they they don't go anyway. You know so it's not doing? necessarily wrong to obsess. Right. But just, just shut up and do it. Yeah, exactly. 5% chance is enough for 100% effort. So if you can find that 5% chance you might be able to get it done, go give everything you got to get it done. You only got to do it once. Yeah, and a lot of people won't go unless there's 95% chance. <laughs> the or, humidity's or, low, the dew point's not high, the, the shade's going to be perfect, it's going to have enough cloud cover, so now I can finish my project yep. versus... Uh, it's going to be five degrees warmer than I'd like, so... Yeah, and if we had a bubble where we could climate control, fine, but we don't. I don't know. I, I get more complaints from people in gyms where it is climate controlled, and they're yeah. like, oh, it's still a little why hot. Why's the heat on? Yeah, why's... Yeah. And you're like, what? They'll go out, it's 60 degrees, they think that's great weather, it's 60 degrees in the gym, and they're like, it's a little chilly, Um, I'm trying yeah. to climb here, so... So, um, when you have people filling out the questionnaire or you know, having those conversations with you about mm-hmm. their goals and you're trying to assess them. Have you ever had a problem getting accurate assessments of them? Like for an example, like Tyler's mm-hmm. saying, I'm, I'm a gym climber. I flash all the V fives in my gym and I'm, I'm working V seven. I want to do V eight by this fall. And then you ask them what they've done outside and they're like zero. Right. And then you're, you go and you go, well, I don't know what V five is at your gym. Right. So how difficult is that to manage and how do you uncover that info? It's pretty tough. We we do see that quite a bit, uh, especially with the explosion of, of gym climbing where I've, I get more and more clients coming into the system who haven't really climbed outside that much. And, and it's tough to, you know, line those two things up. So we've just decided to not put a lot of weight into what the grades are that you say you climb in the gym. Uh, Because like you said, we don't have a clue. You know, I Mm -hmm. go to some gyms and their V8s feel 
ridiculously hard and then I go to other gyms or just around the corner in the same gym mm-hmm. and that V8 feels like a warm up. So it's it's well, going to always when, be when that way. A human who sets a grade and they say it's going to be this grade, that's completely up to how they felt and their beta and their totally. brain and everything. And yeah, like you said, I mean, I've, I love the gyms that have a consistent grading throughout, but then I know people, especially in, I mean, Cincinnati, all these gyms are open up. We have people that travel and they just say, I'll, I'll check out all the gyms in the yep. city or whatever. And then they say, I want to climb V5. And you're like, okay, if you're climbing outside regularly, I can kind of know what that means, but you're climbing in a boulder problem that's going to be up for a month. We yep. don't even know what a V5 even. Yeah. And it's that way outside too. Sure, what's you V5 can, at this you point? You can go to the same crag and climb two 13As side by side, and one might feel more like 13B, and one might feel more like 12D. Sure. That's just the way grades work. Um, so we just try to weight things differently, you mm-hmm. know, and then, especially with our custom clients, we'll do a lot of video and watch you climb, and then things start to really become apparent. Like yeah. If you said you've climbed V5 in your gym... It can be really obvious if I see you on a V5 outside. You're like, you climbed it, but you barely climbed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and then we just know. It, and that's not a bad thing. Sure. It's just this is where you are. And we need to have a somewhat accurate picture of where you are mm-hmm. to know how to get you from there to where you want to go. So do people have the opportunity to, like, have you fly out and see them or they meet you somewhere and get an assessment or does it all have to be done through? They can. Okay. Um, Most of it's done through video most of the time, Um, video and email or chat or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a gym in Wyoming that people come to pretty often. And then I travel quite a bit, hoping to slim that down actually in the next year or two. Um, so I do see a lot of my clients out on the road as well. And Lander's a popular place for people in the summer, so a lot of my Definitely. clients come through. And I'll and if they're like, hey, I'm going to be in Lander, you, all right, cool, I'm there, I'll, I'll come yep. and hang out with you for a bit. Yep, yeah, I'll come out and we can go climbing for the day or whatever. Um, so yeah, some, some in person, but mostly video. Okay. So do you have, is there certain people that can't get a custom plan if they're not, do you, not are you like really. tapped out? You know what I'm saying? Like you're full for this season. Oh, sorry, I, yeah. we're we're yeah. not going to do custom plans until enough times <laughs> open yes. up. Uh, that's a problem we have. Yeah, I haven't taken on. I haven't been listed as having any custom plans for sale on the app for two years. Me Good personally. for you. That's awesome, man. Um, Nate is pretty full. Paul and Blake both take a few every few months mm-hmm. and Jess our newest coach takes a few every few months um, but most of mine have been with me for years at this point and and I'm trying to slim that down as well sure sounds like I'm just trying not to work damn um, <laughs> which yeah maybe yeah there's nothing but wrong with that, is just, that I don't know maybe things. go out and actually get the rock climb yeah, exactly. <laughs> with these with these custom plans you know is it like a subscription based do you say this is how much per month for me to work with you or is it hourly? can you tell us the values is that yeah okay yeah, yeah. Um, so we sell custom plans in 6 and 12 week blocks to start okay and so is that that's linear yeah okay and it'll be you know we're we're flexible if okay if I've got a client who's like, I really want to do 12 weeks, but 
six weeks from now I have a three week trip. I'm like, mm-hmm. sure, well, let's do yeah. six weeks leading up, and then once you're back, let's do the next six okay. weeks. You know, that's fine. Um, and we we prefer the twelve week. In fact, I haven't I haven't done a six week plan for someone. It, and I it's it's got to be pretty hard long. to do any <clears throat> actual good. Yep. In a in a six week. Six week works really well for like a trip prep plan or like a specific goal in mind yeah. i want to climb this route I want to climb this specific route or this specific style on this boulder or whatever so you will tailor so i could i could say hey i want to get on this route at the red and you'd be like sweet i've been oh, on yeah. that so yep. here's here's a good i mean it won't fix you won't be climbing that grade regularly maybe but right. at least it can get you yeah if that's your big goal like i've had people say i just want to climb this 13a i don't I don't care if I ever climb another 13A, so I don't need to be good at slab climbing. I don't need to be good at I don't need to be a 13 climber. I just want to climb. Yep. I just want to climb this. And that's the easiest thing for me. Really? I can tailor that. Dude, I'll find you a route. Really (laughs) simply. Could I even Um, say that? Like, it's not even this route. I could say, I want to climb 12A. I've never climbed a 12 outside. I want to do it just pick a route and let's work through that oh, yeah. and you could I'll, say i'll pick the softest 12a out what, there and what's I'll the softest 12a out weeks. there for our listeners Ooh, softest here 12A. in the red, here river, at red river, gorge. river gorge oh in the red i'm trying to think of the what i think is the softest one maybe roshan i was gonna say it, it that's, that's kind of at a least... cop out answer to be honest i feel like that one gives some people grief because I, I part of the problem i think is people go into it thinking it's going to be soft expectations and then boom they get definitely smacked something down a bit. in muir valley um there's there's this little thing I can't remember where it's at or what the name of it is, but it's in Muir Valley, and it's like two moves off the ground and then five ten after that. Oh, is that stretcherous? No, is that any wall? Stretcherous is hard if you're short. Okay. No, there's another one. I don't know. There's probably Something guess what? There's a, probably a hundred of them. <laughs> there there are ten or fifteen contenders for yeah, Southwest Twelve right. A in the red in Muir Valley for sure. So you have you know the six week plan. How much is that? The twelve week plan? It differs. So. I cost more than most of my coaches because Good, you should. I'm the the face, the voice of You're the, the company. You're the Don Mega. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh and I just don't want to take on that many more clients. So I've if they'll if it, raised if the they're worth it, then sure, I'll take you on if you're going to pay me this much money. Yeah, and you know, I think my time is valuable, so I charge for that. And I think the 6 weeks run anywhere from I don't remember what the price is for the other coaches. They're all there on the website. Sure. Um, a twelve week for me, I think, is four seventy five, and I think it's three fifty for the other coaches. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. That's really. I mean, that's not. It's not really that expensive. You're trying to keep it approach. I mean, you want people to do it, like. Yeah. And what do they? Yeah. What do they get in that? Other than like, you know, that plan. Are they going to get yep. to talk? Can they text you? Can they it's, call you? Can they? Yeah, it's pretty will much. You babysit full-time. their child. Pretty What's much full-time <laughs> communication. It depends on whether I like their kid or not. <laughs> um, will you write a, a, a freestyle rap for me if I pay for your... I will not do that because <laughs> because in today's world, if it's freestyle, it's not written. So, Know what I... Where know, I come from, freestyles are written, but... We could have a whole podcast about Chris's we illustrious could. hip-hop career. His He's season, had that podcast. His, there, probably there those podcasts. his cease and desists and all of that. Mm-hmm. Know what I, I, I... We were kind of talking off-topic about some podcasts that I wish you would do again, and you know we talked, but what I want you to start posting are those really crappy Photoshopped oh, man. images of people sending their those projects. Those are another thing that those was gotta so come much fun, and people loved them, but they take a lot of time. Yep. 
Time is money, friends. It is. So, so if I can I get a plan, and then can I pay a little extra for you to make that post? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would, yeah, I still make. I would make them for free for sure. And you know what else is interesting in the culture that we're in? A lot of people started asking me not to make those. Well, because not all of them were adhering. Well, and they <laughs> they feel like they're spraying, and I'm like. That's no, that's, I, that's, that's what I'm here for. Let's yeah. spray. I'm yeah. all about Send the spray. Send them to our spray episode where we talk about it's not always bad. It's not always bad. Yeah, I think spraying, if you're spraying for your homies or your friends, like that's what it's all about, man. It'd be it's different just if when you're I made the Photoshop for me to be like, check me out. But if you make it and yeah. people are like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, and I'm totally you're okay a coach. with you want your spraying team to my win. own stuff too. If, I'm, if it's something I'm proud of, I'm going to tell people about it. Can Period. we get a better climbing beta? I'm not going to make a meme of myself. <laughs> when, when's the last time you were proud? Uh, the last thing, actually this summer, I, I climbed some routes I was really proud to do um, because sport climbing isn't my big goal right now. And Were they in Wyoming? They were in Wyoming, yeah, Sweet. 13C and a 13D on this wall that that has shut me down pretty hard in the past. Uh, I went back and did the 13C in a couple of tries. Nice. And and it just felt really easy. That's and then awesome. I did the 13D. That's the extension of it. Pretty quickly. So as you well. downgraded it. I didn't downgrade it. <laughs> well, if Chris can that's do the it. Typical, then it's probably more 13D. That's the typical trajectory of somebody who's getting oh, I know. stronger. There's I like know. I'm not getting stronger. These whole these climbs so are just getting easier. Do you get that a lot from clients? That's so like, well, it must man. not be. Tw- they worked hard. They finally do yep. it. And like, ah. I do. Instead of going, dude, no, you've gotten strong. That's awesome. It's well, me. Yeah, I get that quite a bit, and and it's another one of those things where I'm like, you know, maybe it is soft. So what? You've been putting the effort in, and that's what really counts. So You've worked hard. You've accomplished a goal. Was it challenging for you? Did you put the effort in to meet the challenge? Then who cares what the grade then, is? Cool. So I remember there was a time, maybe this might have been pre-power company climbing, maybe not, but you did something with RockQuest, and it was like the try-hard or oh yeah, that that wasn't my idea. Oh, that at wasn't all. your idea. Okay, no, that was all rock quest. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious because I've been doing some self reflection where I probably have a hard time like trying hard, quote unquote trying hard. Like I think historically, yeah. if you're climbed at the red, there is no trying hard. You just get the fitness and you yep. do it. Yep. And for me, it's typically like if it if like you talked about before, the five percent and the hundred percent. If it doesn't feel if the whole route doesn't feel 95%, I'm not going to give it that 5%. Mm-hmm. And that's a lapse that I've had. Um, but I'm getting better at it. Have you had that conversation with clients before? Like, if they really just tried a little harder, they'd stop saying take. They, you know, ran it out one more Takes move, for fakes. You know, they would yep. send. What What's that sound like? I think, I think effort put in is one of the biggest reasons that people aren't climbing harder than they are. Oh, wow. Um, more, far more than finger strength or pull strength or endurance or anything else. I think How easy is that to diagnose when they ask you for a, tra- like you see their questionnaire and you're like, honestly mm-hmm. looking at it? It's really hard. It's hard. It's very hard in a questionnaire. Okay. So you have um, to spend enough time with them. Yep. And it's really easy to see though. You know, okay. if, if it's a red point attempt and someone says, take, instead of going falling and falling you know on it. then it's then it's a big red flag for me if it's a oh i don't know it's not perfect today i don't think i'll do it i don't want to waste the skin that's a big red flag for me if you see these how are you like you know what i'm not even gonna take your money like 
Do you no, he's taking, oh, the money. I'm taking the money. Oh, you'll <laughs> take the money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, he's got to keep his lights on, Tyler. <laughs> that's fair. But is it is is there ever this moment where you're like, I mean, I'll keep giving you the training plans, but this is a waste of time until you start trying. You're wasting my time and your time, kind of thing. Well, I, guess, I I try to build it into the training plans. There you go. We have, we we try to create drills for all of these scenarios that we encounter. And one of our f- absolute favorite drills um, that Nate sort of pioneered, we call three strikes. And these can be on new to you boulders or boulders that you've already done, that you worked to death. And now you can send them, or you did send them at some point in the past. And you get three attempts to do it. Just three tries, you start from the bottom every time, your entire goal is to try hard enough to do this really difficult boulder in three tries, and then you have to walk away from it. You don't get to work it forever. You don't get to keep trying it. Right. You know? And that puts people in this place where they're like, oh, I've got a finite timeline. I have to try really hard if I want to get this thing done. Or I'm going to have to write in my notes again that I failed on the three strikes. And I have to tell Chris. <laughs> yep. And I'm going to be like, well, how hard did you try? And they're going to have to answer uh, scale of one to ten, probably seven. I'm like, okay, well, next week let's let's try for eight. Right. You know, let's shoot to try a little bit harder. And I think that's just a really good way to get people putting a more objective number and I keep coming back to these objective numbers. They aren't even something I like, um, but they're something that people can connect with. Sure. It's a little easier for people to measure it. So if we can give people a way to measure how hard they're trying, then it becomes easier to raise that number. And it's interesting you, you bring up effort because that's actually the reason I was proud of those roots on the rodeo wave and lander was because those type of roots for me, um, I mean, the 13C is 15 moves long, you know, it's oh, short, wow. That's it's a very punchy. The description in the old guidebook said, step off the block and go boom. I mean, it's immediate hard moves on bad pockets the second you step off the ground. And for me, that style is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was proud of doing those roots because I finally got to the point where I could step off the ground, try hard, and feel comfortable in that try hard space that quickly. So effort's a big one, man. It's hard to gauge. It's hard to improve, especially remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's something we're struggling with all the time. Do, Do you, you f- sorry, I was in line with the effort and I've, I, I've actually found great. It's like when we went to Obed and I was finally like, I'm going to, fuck it, I'm going to do this route one more time and whatever happens, happens. And I actually got it just because I was like, I'm not going to get back on it again. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. Yep. Do you think that in, with that mentality, is there, because, you know, we see a lot of people that day trip to the red Yep. and we see, or there's gyms in your neighborhood now. Do you see this idea that because you can always come back tomorrow, why, why kill yourself today? I yep. mean, has that, I know people that they get one trip a year and they're going to get, they're going to do whatever it takes because they're not going to come back for another year versus I'll be back next week. And so, and then that just, then the next weekend keeps happening. Yeah. I mean, weekend warriors in general are dangerous because they've got a limited amount of time. So they're often very, very focused. 
for the people who have crags near their house and can just go to the gym anytime, I see a lot more... Complacency, maybe? Complacency. Lazy sounds more harsh, Lazy. so that's the word I'm going to use. <laughs> Wake up, people. Um, and, I, and I've fallen victim to that. Well, yeah, we all do. You know, when I, when I move to Lander and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not a weekend warrior anymore. I've got... It's in my backyard. I've got crags 12 minutes from my front door. I can go on my lunch break. I do. You know, that's I go bouldering probably four days a week on my at lunch. Like, I'll work in the morning, I'll go bouldering. I know a lot of the chatty guys, that's what they do. They're like, yeah. so important, sweet, so. And I don't feel that sense of urgency anymore to to send things. Because I know, I can just come back tomorrow. Conditions so you, look a little better tomorrow. I can just. You have to be a little back. more self-motivated at that point. Yeah, so I have to start. I have to start keeping myself accountable, but my clients and the people who follow what we're doing really help keep me accountable. Really? So you, you because you see other people that are paying attention, you're like, well, I can't, I yeah. can't train someone and also be lazy at the same time because then there's that. Yeah, and I put my stuff out there. I put my goals out there. I put my, you know, what I'm doing out there into the world. And if I post up on my Instagram that, I really want to do this boulder and then two months down the road you're still not nobody's seen a post about it I'm gonna get questions people are gonna be like hey whatever happened to that boulder you still working on that so so is that less like promotion for your brand and more like well I gotta I gotta also try hard so it's an easy accountability for you yeah yeah and I like being held accountable you know I, I I thrive off of that so I mean, you could argue most people do, th- whether they enjoy yeah. that or not. Yeah, whether they enjoy it or not, I think it's helpful for people. There's something and to be like, hey, you said you want to do this. How's that going? Yep, and that's one of the big services that we provide. And and one of the things that we tell people, you know, if you're if you need to be held accountable, then you should hire a coach because that's what we'll do for you. Well, at the end of the day, isn't that the most important thing about a personal trainer is yep, totally. when you're like, hey, I can't make it into the gym today. Uh, why? Yep. <laughs> you know, hey, sorry, I'm feeling a little weak today. Mm, really? Yep. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the most important things is keep, and that's the building blocks to effort is kind of showing up for the sessions, buying in and believing in the process and trying to see that all the way through to whatever the goal is, you know, and that sort of consistency and dedication is the building block for putting in really hard single efforts down the road. So something that I notice and probably myself and other people, but um, how often do you have people, they have, they're at a plateau because they've just never tried harder climbs or like they've never they're at a plateau because they think oh if I don't do it in three goes I can't do it I'm just going to go back to doing whatever I like Mm. to do quickly because that kind of stokes my ego type of thing do you have that conversation with people often or quite a bit so there's something we hear in gyms a lot and it's like and we hear this on our questionnaires a lot I can climb every red in my gym but I can't climb any blues or you know I can climb every V5 in the gym, but I can't climb any V6s. They all feel impossible. And that's a that's a big red flag to me that says, this person's stuck in their comfort zone, and it feels far too uncomfortable to break out of that for them. 
and they're having a really hard time making that jump. So we just, then my job becomes, I need to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You need to get good at being uncomfortable and failing in front of people and, and being okay with, with the fact that climbing is 99% failure, you know? There's a little bit of masochism, especially in bouldering. You've got to sure. just be like, this, I suck. Anytime I orient someone, hey, welcome to the gym, here's what bouldering is, they're like, this doesn't make me feel, I say that it doesn't work because there's so many like vegetarians and vegans in climbing, but I would say climbing, <laughs> bouldering's the vegetables of climbing. Yeah. It doesn't taste as good going down, but it's how you get stronger. I mean, you got to beat yourself up. Yeah, and you know, right along with this, this idea of not, not trying the grade you want to climb is this whole bullshit Instagram thing, this trend that's happening. That's like, it's all about the process, man. It's all about the journey. And, and I do believe that the process is massively important and that's where, where your focus should lie, but your process should end with a completed goal or your process sucks or, or it's not a process anymore. I mean, the process implies if you look Can at, you define what you're talking about by process or journey? Like, yeah, I don't so, understand what you're saying, the Instagram stuff. So can yep. you define that for me? So my Instagram feed is fucking littered. It used to be moonboard problems, and I got <laughs> rid of all those. Now it's people who are like, I went out, and I didn't climb my best, but it's all about the process. Or I went back to this boulder, and I didn't send again, but it's all about the process. So that's See, so I, only, it's okay. I only put the highlights out. I would yeah. never tell anybody I didn't do anything. But now it's cool. <laughs> it's now cool it's to cool you're like to humble say, and the journey's the most important part. Focus on the journey. And I agree with the journey being the most important part, but that doesn't mean that the send isn't important. Well, journeys have an end. Otherwise you're exactly. not journeying, you're just wandering for your van hashtag van life. Hashtag van um, life. Bite the hand that feeds you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you said those are your clients. <laughs> so what I'm talking about is essentially if we look at the way scientists approach problems, they they go in with a process in mind and they're trying to prove their hypothesis. They go through this process. They look at the outcome. If the outcome isn't what they expected, they change their process to eventually, hopefully, get the outcome they want. What climbers on Instagram do <laughs> is they have a hypothesis, I want to do X boulder. They go through the process, it doesn't work. So then they post on Instagram, it's fine, it's all about the journey. (laughs) And they don't change the process. They go do the same goddamn thing again and it just doesn't work. Or they give up the they don't do they're like, I'm just not gonna do that boulder. It's not they'll pick a different right easier or And the send the outcome is important. You know a guy I've had on my podcast, Trevor Reagan, used the example of he did some work with a company that makes windshields for airplanes. And they have scientists looking at how to build the best windshield for an airplane. The outcome matters. They can't just put on a windshield that doesn't work uh, it'll, it'll, it'll and be, be like, oh, well, it was all about the process, you know. It's yeah. all about the journey. It cracked at 10,000 feet. It doesn't and- matter that the pilot flew out the window. No, that's not how it works. The, the send is really important. So, if Do you have to have that conversation with clients? For sure. Okay. 
you're like, okay, do you really have this goal or not? Like, yeah. is this serious or? Yeah. And I'm like, your process is, is garbage. great. Oh, or, or, the, or yeah, garbage. Or garbage. Whatever. One of the two. I, you know, what we're working on in the gym is fantastic because we don't make garbage training plans. And that's another company. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the water company. They, they other companies that don't build machines. Exactly. They build, they build Gumbies. You yes, build machines. The Gumby company. But, but when you go outside and you say, there's too many people waiting in line, I'm, I'm not going to get on my project today or the weather's not quite right or I don't feel quite right then you're blowing it you know you've just undone all these things we've done to to build up to this so you have to keep making those steps closer and closer to the outcome i mean would it be better at that so you show up there's a, you got to wait in line there's a lot of people would it be and you feel you're hungover you feel like shit whatever it is is it almost better to just be like you know what this is going to be a shitty climbing day and i'm going to do it anyways yeah you would advocate versus we'll come back tomorrow after a good night. So like, no, just shut up and get on your fucking You're going to have bad days yeah. if you like it or not. I mean, right. yeah. If, if, if you have the option, if you have two days and you have to choose, then sure, make your choice, but then see it through. If you've got one day and you're like, I don't feel so good today. I'll, I'll come people back go, another time people and are try gonna, this That route. guy just flashed it and he's going to watch me bolt to bolt it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So then, then do it. So I, I like to joke, you know, and obviously, we're not. Michael said it. We're not trainers. So, anytime someone asks me, the best I can give them is either go talk to a trainer or here's some like general how to get started. But I get mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. So how do I climb five twelve? And this is in a gym. But how do I climb five twelve? And I always ask, Have you been on a five twelve? And yeah. the answer is it almost unanimously. Well, no. I want to know how to get there. To which it's really I'm like, okay, we'll go pick a twelve and grab the first hold and fucking do it like and if you blow you blow whatever it is but do you get a lot of people that have how do i climb b7 whatever and they're and it's an easy question what have you been on and even more than one because yeah maybe that one route or problem was just not good for you anyways but do you get people that i want to do this and you go well how often have, have you been on some that well no so how do i start yeah, I hear that a lot, and essentially, you know, I ask the same question, have you tried 512? And if they haven't, have you tried 11D? You know, numbers numbers are in succession for a reason. Sure. They don't always match up with the difficulty of, you know, or the personal challenge, but they're a good gauge. So if you want to climb 512, it's already pretty much laid out for you. Right. You climb some 11As, then some Bs, then some Cs, then some Ds, and then you can climb 512. But you're right. You can't climb 512 unless you get on 512. And you can't know what you're shooting for unless you've checked it out, unless you've experienced it a little bit. Right. I can help you climb 512 because I know what it takes to climb 512. Sure. You can help yourself climb 512 if you give yourself the experience of knowing what it takes to climb 512. Right. So get on one and see how it feels. Or, you know, if, if you have this specific one in mind and the holds are really bad and you can barely hold them, well, then you need to get better at holding bad holds. Right. If you get pumped out, then you need some better endurance. You know, you'll you'll get a much clearer picture if you go get on the damn thing. Right, so. which is, I mean, and we've had this conversation off, you know, not in front of a microphone, but there's a certain extent, and I'm 90% 
sure that this is just completely shitty advice, but people ask, how do I train? A lot of times I'm like, well, start by getting in the gym more than once a month. And that's not bad advice at all. But, but I typically, and I say like, stop thinking about training before you're even like doing the thing. So for me, it makes sense. Like I've tried 10, five twelves. Mm-hmm. And they all shut me down, and I don't know why. Chris, I need a plan. Versus, how I want to climb five twelve. I haven't even been on one yet. Well, then get on them before starting a tr- quote unquote training regimen. So, which was like my ne- is there instances where don't worry about training before climbing, or is there always? Mm. Hey, here just here's a training routine for you climb once a month. Here's a training routine you've never climbed. Or do you ever just say, why don't you spend some time climbing and that's what you do? I, I do say that, but not very often. Um, I personally think the just climb more advice is the most bullshit advice. <laughs> right. I tell you, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and it can work. It can absolutely, certainly work. But if that person is interested in improving faster, which is the only reason I can imagine someone would ask, what do I need to do to get better Film, faster? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> then there's going to be a path from no matter where they're at, even if they're an absolute beginner, this is their first day ever in the gym climbing, there's going to be a path from where they are. If they're a 10-year-old kid, I'm not going to say you need to start training. If they're a 30-year-old who has a very limited window in which to improve some of the aspects of their of what they need to climb sure then i'm gonna say you should probably start getting on a hangboard as fast as possible in a really controlled way because there's no better way to make your fingers stronger and there's no safer way to make your fingers stronger if you just go in and start trying to latch little crimps like you see the kids in the gym doing you're gonna you're gonna hurt. hurt yeah you should be climbing you should learn movement but we can do that in a really specific way. I can give you a relatively linear path of okay. you need to learn these movements. You need to learn to climb with your hips in different positions and why and you need to learn why those work. Okay. You know, you need to learn why having straight arms sometimes is better and sometimes the advice of keep your arms straight is bullshit. Sure. You need to learn those reasons. So it's less like what I think, and maybe, and this is my what I grew up thinking was training was like, you got to do four by fours and you got to run laps and you got to do like right exercises. Yeah. So you're saying like the definition of training changes. Sure, so. you can quote unquote just go out and climb, but specifically with yeah. goals in mind, and that's still training. Yeah, I okay. l- I lump the training and the practice aspect together as one thing. And you can call it whatever you want, you know. If, let's say I have somebody who wants to become uh, an Olympic wrestler. The advice is never going to be, you just go out and wrestle more. Just go fucking wrestle people. You know, that's not going to be the (laughs) advice. If that is the advice, it's total bullshit. Sure. And that person's never going to get very good at wrestling. Most most people won't. Yeah, you got your savants, but whatever. So instead, I'm going to teach them really specific ways to move. I'm going to strengthen them in really specific ways. We're going to look at where they're starting from, and we're going to try to get them to an end goal. So, so yeah, I, I think 
everybody could be training. And that's my definition of training. Okay. You know, is the whole the whole sport-specific aspects of what you're doing need to be improved. So you don't have to be good enough. Like, you, you could say, I saw free solo, climbing looks cool, I don't know how to get started. Hey, Chris, mm-hmm. I want to rock climb. And you don't, you don't have to be like, well, when you're climbing 5'10 regularly, then we'll talk about training. No, it's like, what do you, your, your whole process is, what's your goal? Where are you? And we're going to get you there. Yeah, there's a lot of things to learn there. You know, there's, there's all these tactics. There's, well, we could start with just the language of it, you know. Let's, mm-hmm. let's help you understand the language day one in the gym. Because then day two, you're going to feel more comfortable having conversations with people. That's going to lead to being able to watch and climb with and ask questions of better climbers. And that's going to help you improve faster. So if I can just teach you the language of climbing and you get better, give me some money. (laughs) That's Here's a climbing dictionary. I'm, I'm looking for the simple wins. And there are lots of simple wins for beginners. And I sure. do think there's a good path to lead them on. So just saying go wrestle more, not a good idea. Okay, yeah. And and you can sell it. I, I think it's also worth saying like you didn't know the language and now you do. Like yeah. don't underplay that you worked at something and accomplished. Because I think that's for what I see a lot of people, you know, and I've, I've done like the kid training, you know, and mm-hmm. we're working on that. And they're like, I, I'm like, hey, you did your first route. And they're like, yep. yeah, but Tommy's doing this route. I'm like, I don't care what Tommy's doing. You, like you right. climbed your first five eight, that's amazing. Hey, you know what a side pull is now. Like you're, you, you, you did a, this cool yep. drop knee move. That's super awesome. Yeah. What did you learn? You know, let's talk about what you learned. Yeah. So, when you are talking with clients or people who are interested in training, how often do you go into depths? So obviously, a majority of your clients want to either red point or on site or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often do you have a conversation about tactics. I mean, I think very often. So what's that look like? I mean, do you, when someone says, Chris, you know, I got on my climb, it didn't go well. I fell to crux then I lowered and I just waited 10 minutes. I got back on. Is that when you have that conversation? Like, wait, you did what? <laughs> like, yeah, let's, let's talk about the whole the process history. I want to know the whole history of what you've done on this route. Mm-hmm. How many times have you fallen at that spot? How many times have you tried a different tactic? If if it looks like this route has all been the same tactic that isn't working, that you ha- you aren't changing your process at all, then let's talk about past routes. Is is that what you always do? Break this route down for me. Draw me a picture of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know where the cruxes are, where the rests are. I want to know what each section is like. Are there hard clips? I want to know any pertinent information about this route, and then let's try to break it down tactically better than you're approaching it now. Where we often run into trouble, where people, climbers, often run into trouble, is it can seem like, and I've I've fallen into this trap a lot of times, it can seem like all I have to do is get through this one move or this one sequence, and then I'm sending. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't I just keep, trying it because I might get lucky one of these times but you might not get lucky and you might fall off the same move 70 times like I did on swing line Mm -hmm. did you change your beta at all I changed my beta okay and that's I feel like 
you know, that's happened to me too on a climb where I always, when I break things down, I love to do the whole, like, if I get here, if I get to that hold, God himself cannot pull me off this climb because I'm taking it to the top. So then I get fixated on maybe one sing, you know single position, and then well, I, think, I don't I don't think about my beta. Well, am I still climbing to am I climbing to that hold in the best way possible? Right, and it might be a move further down. Sure, it could be you the first be, three moves. You might be losing this half a percent of energy down here that you need up there, and it's not going to be obvious if you just climb from the ground every time. Yep. Well, I think we don't like to be mentally engaged for 60 feet or whatever. I think even when we talk, anytime someone's like, oh, you just got that route, that's great. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, it's really, you know, it's just that one move. And, you know, there's like a V3 boulder problem, but then the rest of it's pretty easy. And we forget like, okay, but even V0, even 5.8 climbing, you still have to like know what you're, you still have to climb it. Yep. And so I think we just too commonly just say, we break it down to the one move that's kicking our ass. Mm-hmm. And either I hear that and go, well, if that's, messing with you then that's clearly the move that's going to mess with me and you're right i waste all my energy getting up to the move because i'm not thinking about it and even if i get the move i've completely gassed myself and it might be a jug haul to the chains but yep. i still don't have anything left one of the biggest differences i see between professional climbers or just really really great climbers who aren't professional and the climbers at the next level down are that the tactics of the best climbers are impeccable for instance i was climbing with my friend bj tilden who climbs 14d and v14 and we were in rifle and he was warming up on a 511 and when i was lowering him he's like hold me here stop here and he just wanted to try a different sequence not because he had a hard time with the first sequence but because he thought this sequence might be a little better. I would like to know if it's better. Even on a warm-up. Maybe it'll warm me up better for my project tomorrow if I do this different sequence. So he's already thinking about, I need that half a percent of energy to send the rig. Can I get it here in this warm-up? So if you... you, and, know, you know, can I be saving time, saving energy, getting better prepared... Can I feel smoother? Can I get myself in a better mindset? Whatever. He needed to change something on this 511 that for him is nothing. You and know? so you're saying because he's an elite, the fact that he's an elite climber can be attributed to like the way you treat your warm up yeah. is a really good indication of how you're going to treat your project. If you yep. waste energy on a warm up, you're not, or make it as per, I don't care if it's a 5.8, climb it as perfectly as you can because yeah. that translates to how you're going to climb 5.14. Yeah, and and tactics are are just like you said being mentally engaged for an entire route and really being aware, really understanding what are the small things I can do to give myself a better chance. And all of us have trouble connecting with those, you know. We're we're all at least the next tier down from those great climbers. Sure. You know, most of us are quite a few tiers down. Felt, that felt like a shot. <laughs> my, my goal, a shot at myself. My goal too, is you know? to just get on the tier list. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> tier five or tier six. What's that whole thing? Those that can't do teach. Those that can't yeah, teach exactly. teach gym. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I work at a climbing gym. There's a reason I do that and not go out and climb. Yeah, I fell up high on a 13A and rifle, 
And when I got to the ground, I'm untying, and I heard somebody behind me say, those who can't do, teach. Damn, savage. <laughs> I was like, yes, you're exactly right. So I, yeah. I, but tactics are hugely important, and it's really easy to get trapped in thinking that what you're doing is the right way mm-hmm. and not being able to see another way. So well, you just can having always, a different perspective You can always huge. be better mentally. You yeah. can always know more. You can totally. always fix something. And to be honest, there are some weak-ass people out there climbing really hard who just oh, yeah. have really great tactics. When I always say, I, and, it's, I, and they're climbing here or maple. I like to, <laughs> I like to joke. Like, I mean, Tiger Woods has a coach. Like, there's always yeah. the best of the best still have people that aren't climbing as hard as them that are still like, right. hey, by the way, did you try that? Hey, you might consider this. Yeah, Angelo Dundee, the guy who who trained Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard, never boxed around in his life. He wasn't as good a boxer as but he trained as those the best guys. boxers. Yeah, LeBron James doesn't have a coach who's better than LeBron James. You know, he just needs somebody else giving a, a different perspective, an objective, an objective perspective. And so. well, that and you never know how you look. Right, yeah. like I bet people when they send in videos are like, "Oh, I'm doing this perfect," and they watch it and they're like, "Oh, yeah. no, they don't I'm even not. need to send it to you. They watch yeah. it like, I, nope, never mind. I don't, Chris, you don't have to worry. I know exactly what I'm doing." I did a session with a guy once, and after I watched him climb a problem, a, a warm up that was easy for him, I said, "Do you know you shifted your hand three times on every single hold? <laughs> they were all jugs. You were in no danger of falling off." but you shifted your hand three times on every single hold. No, I didn't. Like, okay, well, let's try it again, and let's not shift your hands. Okay, sure. And I set up a video as he started, so he didn't know I was videoing him, and he thought, I don't shift my hands, so I don't even need to focus on this. That's just what happens. And he came down, and I'm like, do you know you shifted your hands three times on every hold? No, I didn't. So I showed him the video, and he's like, holy shit. I had no idea I was doing that. And if it's that habitual, you're probably doing it on your project. On the cruxes, in these crux sequence, when you need to get through really fast. And and he just didn't know how he looked. Yeah. He didn't even know what he was doing, you know? That's so. wild. Yeah, I think that probably goes for, for a lot of us. But yeah. I have one question. We're kind of running low on time. but um, So as somebody who's started power company and you know you have multiple clients and you have a brand and um do you ever have any issues with people representing the brand like because like clients or i know like back in the day you made a a, a, was a blog post it was like we build monsters or something like that i remember reading that and um like you talked a little bit about the takeover at rockwest and I'm just curious, is that, is that, have you ever had to have a conversation with a client like, hey man, you're, you're kind of not giving us a good image or anything like that? Yeah, um, I have. And, and it's less about the, I'm at this point, I'm not concerned terribly about the image. I mean, I'm not trying to get Joe Kendered. Don't, oh damn, no no offense, Joe. Shots. Maybe, you know what? I want Joe to come back. I I love Joe. I think think this dude's an amazing dude. He's made can, some mistakes. Yeah, who cares? Get that guy. I loved all his content. Yeah. So. But I'm not trying to get Joe Kindred. So, yeah. So I am careful with what I put out there. But at this point, I've put out so much content that my philosophies, what I believe, what the company is about is 
pretty solidly out there. Well, mm-hmm. you're not building the brand like you were back. No. So no. it was more important back then when you like you're trying to establish it. Yeah. To be like, hey, don't chase away potential clients, but you've got some. You want less clients, so maybe chase away some now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's firing clients. I have I have fired clients. That's what I'm curious uh, about. It. You know, a I just, number of times, whether it's over. I'm putting in a lot of work and you're not. to build this plan, to communicate with you, and you're not really following through. So I would rather put my time towards somebody else. No matter what you're paying me, I don't really care. I want to help people, so mm-hmm. let me go do that with somebody else. Um, whether it's that or it's, you know, I've been hearing from people that you are just this horrible person to climb with, you're super selfish, that's not a good way to get things done. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's a really poor tactic. It might work today to get your climb in, but if you're not working with other people, you're going to run out of partners, and then it's going to be really hard to get your project done. Well, anything, that's find another way. training. Like, this is the last piece of training I'm going to give you. Don't be a dick. Bye. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. massive. So, yeah, I've had to have that talk with a few people. Um, not a ton, but sure. Yeah. Well, I know personally I would never associate anybody else with the brand except for you. So I think as long as you're being a steward and obviously you're doing a lot of good stuff in the climbing community, just getting people psyched on climbing. and trying to. And I think the thing too is people are so fortunate to have you as a trainer because they're most likely going to learn those nuances of ethics and community engagement and being respectful um, where, you know, the typical gym bro – goes out climbing for the first time they bring a boom box you know they're smoking weed they're doing all these things that might piss people off i don't care what you do but all those things so we appreciate you being on the podcast we appreciate you talking about training because tyler and i both have no clue what we're talking about nope um but can you tell people how they can find you uh well first off thanks for having me uh, this has been super fun uh, great conversation lots of great points brought up and i and i appreciate that you know i don't really want to talk training like you should be doing five second hangs three sets with right. Right, write that down know. tyler five second, five second hangs. Uh, what I yeah I don't what other what other stuff. training shouldn't you do uh <laughs> that isn't yeah i mean we we look at the science of it all and we apply it where it's appropriate but more often than not, those aren't the failure points for people. Sure. And I think we've hit a lot of the the really important points that people need to be focused on. So so thanks for asking those questions. Um, people can find me at powercompanyclimbing.com. We've got all of our training plans over there. We've got our, um, the podcast is housed there. The blog is there which has been going for quite a long time and actually the blog post you just referenced the we build that has the we build monsters um that's in a book that'll be coming out later this year uh that's being illustrated you guys are the first people to hear this i haven't put this in public yet um nice it's being illustrated by brendan leonard semi rad oh wow that's awesome um all his amazing charts he's he's making charts for each that's rad old essay that i wrote and some new essays um so that one is in there and uh you'll you can find all sorts of ways to support power company you got a patreon you said we've got a patreon for the podcast everything's linked through there in some way 
shape or form. And of course, we're on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Well, and, and for those that climb at RockQuest, we sell the the process journals. Process journals that people yep. have like eaten up it Those was are super popular you actually like you dropped them off like just like whatever if you want them great if nobody buys them who gives a shit and like people eat those process journals up they're super popular and they do a good job of getting you into the mindset of having to be aware of and think about a lot of the things that we talked about right. today less about what sets and reps you're using more about what your process looks like and are you reaching your goals or not yeah so lots of lots of places to check you guys out, yeah. um, and then. But we can find you on Twitter, though. You right. cannot find me on Twitter because <laughs> we don't tweet. Uh, but and we'll we'll do in in the the notes of this show, po- episode. We'll, we'll we'll put links to to stuff so you can you can find them there and all that other stuff. But yeah, again, thanks again, Chris, for coming up and and, and spraying us down with with the training. Yeah, thanks you guys. I'm glad you got this podcast going. It's the more the merrier. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.